0: So let's find our Bibles and go to Exodus chapter number, I wanted to say Ezekiel, but it's not, Exodus chapter number 35, and the children in fourth grade and below are dismissed if your parents want you to, uh, to Children's Church just down this hall, and uh, you're going to be learning today from the Word of God, and you're going to be encouraged by the Word of God, and know that uh, this will be a help to you this morning. I know the series that you're starting this morning is entitled, Come and Dine. And children can feast at the Lord's table all the time, right? Exodus chapter number 35, and I want you to stand with me, and we're going to read a few verses of Scripture this morning, and then we're going to set the tone for where we're going. So let's stand together, and let's read. I want you to notice, I want to give us one verse from Exodus 33 and verse number 11. It says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. What do you think about that? Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? Now, he's at the top of Mount, Mount Sinai, and he's receiving the law. And he's spending time with God up there. Uh, and pretty amazing uh, that he would be able to, to meet with God in that way. And, 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 and it says there that God spoke with him face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Uh, God wants a relationship with you, friends. Friends. And uh, that's not just for Moses. We, we can have that, that sense in our hearts, meeting with God on a daily basis uh, in, in our spirit. And he returned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And so it's pretty amazing what God is doing, uh, doing there. Let's move over to Exodus chapter number 35 uh, and verse number 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tables of the testimony in uh, Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not, he didn't realize, that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Moses and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. It was bright. And they were afraid to come nigh to him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them, and afterwards all the children of Israel came nigh, and and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. By the way, he was a faithful prophet, a faithful preacher, because he was basically giving. Are there some that don't know where we are this morning? Well, you know that's not a very good pastor if I'm leaving you in the dark there. All right, I'm, in, I'm looking around and I, I see folks turning around, okay? It's all right. Chapter, I've, I've announced wrong. It's chapter 34 and verse number 20, uh, 29. So Yeah, well, we're having a grand time this morning, aren't we? All right, look at, verse number, look, at look at verse number 32. You know what, I appreciate that you all want to know where we are in the Bible. That, that's important. He didn't come here to... Yeah, that's important. So, verse number 32, And afterwards all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Verse 33, Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Now, I want you to think about that because what was going on there is he had spent so much time with God, it, it, it visibly showed in the same way that when you commune with god it 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 changes you changes you and people around you know it people at work your family it changes us so let's move on verse 34 and when moses went in before the lord to speak with him he took off the veil until he came out and he came out and spake unto the children of israel that which he had commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him, with the Lord. Verse, uh, chapter 35, And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded, that ye should do them. Six days shall, thou, uh, shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you an holy day a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work then shall be put to death. Remember, this is under the law. This would be to uh, disobey God, and so he had, some, he had some strict laws there. In verse number three, and ye shall kindle no fire throughout your Habitation upon the Sabbath okay, so there's the the Sabbath principle let's uh, move on and Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel saying this is the thing which the Lord commanded saying take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering on of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat hair and ram's skin dyed red and badger skin and shittim wood and oil for the light and spices... Uh, for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, and onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod for the breastplate. And every wise hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord hath commanded the tabernacle, his tent, and his covering, and his tatches, and his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets, the ark, and the staves thereof, with the mercy seat, and the veil for the covering, and the table, and his staves, and all his vessels, and the showbridge. And on the, uh, the candlestick for the light and his furniture and his lamps, uh, with the oil for the light, and the incense altar, his staves and the anointing oil and the sweet incense, and the hangings for the door at the entering end of the tabernacle, and the altar of, of, of the burnt offering with his brazen uh, grate, his staves and all his vessels, the laver, and his foots, the, hang, uh, the hangings of the court, his pillars their sockets and the hangings for the doors of the court, the pins of the tabernacle and the pins of the cord, and their cords, the cloths on the service to do the service in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office. And we're going to stop there. And I just read all that to help us to realize God is laying out after Moses comes down from receiving the commandments from the Lord, the Ten Commandments and instructions for the tabernacle, God is laying out through Moses exactly what Moses is to do. The title of our message this morning is Conquerors in God-Given Vision Together. Conquerors in God-Given Vision Together. God had given Moses some specific direction, some specific direction for the children of Israel, what they were to be doing. And then he instructed Moses, how you are to bring along the people in accomplishing this? And that is going to be the, the subject matter of our message today. I believe it's going to be a help to us, so let's ask God to help us as you're seated. Father, I pray that you would guide us this morning. We certainly need your help. We need your help to guide us with your word. You put this in your word for us today. And Lord, sometimes we can even start a little bit off. I pray that you would focus us this morning. Focus us on your word. I pray that you'd remove distractions. Lord, I certainly need your help. I can't do this without you. I don't just say that. I certainly can't. These folks have gathered together to be around your word today. I need your help to present it to them. So I ask for your help, your filling. I pray for each person here, each of our guests. We thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you would just bless us with opening up your word to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want us to realize that the Old Testament is given to us for example. The Bible says that in the book of Corinthians, for example. It says, now all these things happened unto them for examples and and were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, I don't know if Jesus Christ is going to come back today or tomorrow or five years from now or 25 years from now. But we know we're a little bit closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than we were yesterday, right? And we look forward to that day. I look forward to hearing the trumpet sound. I look forward to being with Jesus Christ. But right now, he's given us the infallible word, the inspired word of God. And he's he's given to us all of it. Not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament. he says, the Old Testament was given to you for an example is given to you for a guide, for, for a, an illustration. And right now, we're, we're looking at a passage of Scripture that is given to us for an illustration of some things that we ought to be taking to heart in this day. Now, we all understand, I, I hope we do, that God is omnipotent, He is omnipresent, His omnipresence is that he is everywhere at the same time. In fact, as we think about how infinite God is, he cannot be placed inside of a box. He cannot be placed inside of a building. Though in the Old Testament, he willingly placed himself, he willingly presenced himself in the the tabernacle, which was a tent, or the temple, which was an edifice that they they built, starting with, with Solomon's temple. But right now we have in front of us this matter of the tabernacle. We read through it in chapter number 35 there, all the the building of it, and God is omnipresent, he's infinite, yet he willingly wanted to dwell among his people. Now, as you think about the tabernacle, uh, God, in a very orderly way, organized the children of Israel, all 12 tribes, all the way around the tabernacle. Uh, the, The camp was set up in such a way that everyone was orderly set up around the tabernacle that God's presence dwelt in the midst of the camp. In the midst of the camp of the children of Israel, God dwelt there in his Shekinah glory. In his His presence, he dwelt there in this tabernacle that they were going to be building. And you know what's amazing to me is that God is still interested in manifesting himself in the earth today, in his presence, only now in the New Testament. It's not in a location uh, of a a tabernacle, a tent, or a temple. It is in you as believers, you that are saved here this morning. He dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, and he is still keenly interested that his presence would be known among the children of men. And I want us to also understand this, that Old Testament Israel as, as a camp gathered around the presence of God, where the presence of God was the centrality of their, of their living and of their camp and of their, all that they did. It was all central to what they did so that the Holy Spirit is to be present and center to all that we are as New Testament believers. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is to be center to everything that we do. And as we make him central, as we allow him to be present and to manifest his presence in us, to, to live out his presence in us, friends, boy, the world gets to know about that. Your workplace gets to know about that. Your family gets to know about that. It, it affects your life. And so here it is. God is very interested that Moses did not just meet with him up on the mount or in in his presence as he got alone with him and and communed with him. But he was interested in dwelling in the midst of Israel and making his presence known, and that all the nations would realize God dwelt among his people. I want us to notice chapter 25 and verse number 8. Let them, God says, make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. What do you think about that? That I may dwell among them. That I may dwell among them. You think about the condescension of God coming down to dwell among you and I and among the the children of Israel. Chapter 34 and verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the the Mount Sinai with two tables of the testimony, the Ten Commandments in his hands, that that God began to, to just show forth on his face that his time with God so had changed him that it was visible around. This was not something God just wanted for moses on the mount but god wanted this for his children to to see his presence to be with him and to be near him and here's the thing that is amazing to me as god had dealt with moses on the mount he comes down and god wanted to help help them along he wanted to help moses along to to make this the reality for everyone to make this the reality for the camp of the children of israel and what does he do he asked them to build a temple a tabernacle a tabernacle that would be set right in the middle where he could presence himself among his people. Friends, more than you need anything, if you came here thinking that this building or our organization or our programs are the answer to to the needs that you have in your heart today, you're wrong. It is the presence of God that you need. It's not my presence. It's not one another's presence, Though we have the the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and we can help each other. But it is the presence of God, it is communion with God that you need. God wanted to be with his people. He wanted to dwell among them. And so here's the, here's the idea that he gave on the mount. He gave Moses this, this vision. He not only gave him the law, all the truth. He says, this is how I want my people to live. I don't want them to covet. I don't want them to take my name in vain. I don't want them to commit adultery. I don't want them to bear false witness. I I want them to walk in a way that pleases me. But Moses, I want them to have uh, set up a tabernacle where I can come down and dwell among them and and where they can know I am there in the midst of their camp. I want you to build on this tabernacle. I want you to lead the people in this way. And he gave Moses a vision, a vision that still God is working out in this day to make his presence known in all the earth. Right now, in the people of Israel, in our passage today. But his desire to make his name known in all the earth, his presence known in all the earth through his followers. And he says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And Moses, now I want you to deliver this unto the people of Israel. Now, here's what I want us to really catch coming out of chapter 34 into chapter 35, where I lost you this morning. All right, What I really want, I want you to catch is this. He's coming down off the mount. He is He is fresh from meeting with God. He is fresh from meeting with God. And what is the very first thing? Look at chapter number 35. Help me out this morning. Uh, What is the very first thing that, that Moses begins to deal with with the children of Israel? What's the very first thing? Look at it with me. Anyone help me out? What's the very first thing? The very first subject. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. Now, yes, the commandments, but the Sabbath in particular. I want us to realize something. How was Moses going to take the vision that God had given him on the mount and help the people to understand it and then to give them an opportunity to get involved in fulfilling this vision that God had, which ultimately was about his presence being made known in the midst of Israel and in the earth? How was Moses going to do that? Well, I want us to notice this. Verse number 1 of chapter 35 He was going to encourage the people, exhort the people to honor the Sabbath principle. Now you would expect that in the midst of this, and I'm just going to say I am going to touch on on the subject of giving. We are, as a church, we are going towards April 3rd, which is our Conquerors for Christ offering. If you're a guest with us this morning, just understand this is, this is something for our home crowd. We did not ask you to come and, 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 and to open up, your, uh, open up your wallet and just start giving. This is something we believe here that God wants us to be engaged and invested in what he, is, what he is doing here on earth. And it is our delight to do that. But as we do that, we need to see some instruction from the Bible. So I, I, I trust that you'll gain some insight here that the Lord will bless your heart, but understand that some of this message might just um, might be for the members of Grace Baptist Church, and so uh, don't, don't uh, go away saying, hey, uh, all I preach about at church is, is money. Uh, God deals a lot with money, right? God deals a lot with money, but I want us to notice where he starts, friends. This is really, really important. He could have, he could have brought up any commandment at this point, but you know where he starts? He starts with their relationship, their personal relationship with God they're getting alone with God and particularly on the Sabbath day so let's think about this Sabbath principle he deals with their worship Moses gathered all the children of Israel together and said unto them these are the words that the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them six days shall work be done but on the seventh day there shall be, an, um, be to you and holy day a Sabbath of rest to yourselves help me out to the Lord To the Lord. What is the Sabbath principle? Essentially, if we boil it down, the Sabbath principle is this that that we would rest one day in seven. Now, Jesus said in the book of Mark, chapter number two, and verse 27, that the Sabbath was not, um, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. If we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter two, and verse number one, we find out that God, after he had created all things in six literal days, we still believe that, right? Hold up. We still believe that, right? Uh, there's many that do not believe that, Jesus, um, that God created all the heavens and all the earth in six days. If you have a problem with believing that, uh, it, it, it basically undermines the rest of Scripture. That is the very first revelation we have in chapter number one, that he created all things in six literal days. So we need to stand on that and stand firm on a day that is pushing evolution as fact and creation as theory. We need to stand on what does the Bible say. So he lays all that out, six days, and it was good, he says there at the end of verse number uh, 31, I believe it is. And and in chapter number 2, he he goes on to say, and after that, chapter number 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his rest, which he made, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Now, does God need rest, friends? No, but he was setting for us a pattern. A pattern. A pattern that we still follow today. Though we do not, as the Jewish folks worship on Saturday, as they did back in the Old Testament, we worship on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when the Lord rose from the dead. We still observe the Sabbath principle, or should I say, we still should rest one day in seven. We are not designed for perpetual motion. God Himself gave the Sabbath day. We find that in Genesis chapter three, uh, chapter two, and verses one and th- on three. We find that it was gift. It's a gift of God to man. He set the pattern for us to follow. Why? So that we might gain physical rest. Did you notice what he, he says there? A uh, rest unto to the Lord, and that we might find physical rest for for man. We're not designed to perpetually be in motion. You were not designed to work seven days a week and non-stop. God designed it that you would rest one day in seven, not just physically, but also spiritually. Spiritually. He wants us to rest spiritually, and and, and God is able to provide all that we need. And when we come into his presence in a place like this, when we take time on that seventh day to to rest and to to give our minds to him, to allow him to influence us and to to change our thinking, uh, there's a spiritual rest that comes. I can rest in his goodness. What does David say, Psalm 73? I was really troubled by all the wicked people and all that they were doing, and boy, my heart was all troubled until I came into your sanctuary until I came to your sanctuary on the Sabbath day. And then, ah, I understood their way. I understood their end. I understood what was going to really happen to them. And rest came to David's soul. Spiritual rest came to his soul as he celebrated, as he honored the Sabbath principle. But also not just rest that God desires us to get on the Sabbath day or on this one day in seven. He also desires purity. They would come together and they would bring their sacrifices and they would sacrifice to the Lord and they would would be right with the Lord. Just understand this, that still today as we gather together on this, the Lord's day, God desires purity in our hearts, that we would change things that need to be changed, that we'd respond to the Holy Spirit of God and to the Word of God. So the Sabbath day was about the heart. The Sabbath day was about trusting God and seeking God, but not just purity, it was also about praise. Together they would praise the Lord. On the Sabbath day, they would worship Him in song and in listening to His, his truth communicated in praise. And so in all these things, God gave the Sabbath for man, and for rest, and for purity, and for praise together. But I want us to realize Israel didn't always honor the Sabbath day. Why was it that as Moses came down off the mount, fresh from meeting with God, and full of vision, and full of what God wanted to do in the earth, and what God wanted to do in their, and through their lives, and to the other nations, why was it that the first thing that he talked about was them honoring the Sabbath? Friends, if we do not deal with our worship of God and our personal communion with God and our personal relationship with God and have that right. Nothing else in our life is going to be right. In fact, I dare say, I will speak a little bit about money, but the fact is, if you're not worshiping God in your own life, money is going to be a sore topic for you. Are you with me? Because God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. And he doesn't want to be close to you just to get your money. God is not that petty. God is not that small. God is infinite and his, his, his coffers, his bank accounts far exceed yours. I mean, it's just like a drop. It's like, it's like a drop of vapor compared to the ocean. Not even a drop of water, a drop of vapor. What you can give God is is so, what he can give God is so insignificant. So don't make it about that. What he wants is He wants worship. And so what does Moses begin with? Hey, let's honor God with a Sabbath day. Six days you're going to work, and on that seventh day you're going to give it to God. You're going to cease from your labor. You're not even going to light a fire on that day. You're simply going to cease from your labor. You're going to rest. You're going to seek purity. And you're going to be praised to your to your maker. Friends, I can't underscore how important that is for us today in this crazy world that we live in. You know, you feel like I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. You have to rest one day in seven and seek your heavenly father. And friends, by the way, your rest one day in seven is going to affect the rest of your week. And I see so many Christians that, that disregard the principle of the Sabbath I'm not talking about worshiping on Saturday. I'm talking about the principle of the Sabbath, one day in seven, where they give it to God. Sunday has become just another ordinary run-of-the-mill day. And you wonder why everyone goes back to, uh, uh, to work on Monday worn out. We've made it a day of entertainment. Ah, didn't get my shopping done today. I've got to go do my shopping. I'm going to meddle just a little bit here. Because, friends, April 3rd, April 3rd is the least of our concerns if we, aren't, if we aren't walking with God. Like, we seriously have to make a commitment. We are called out of this world to be different from this world. I guarantee you, everyone's shopping right now. Hey, hey this, is the day to go, this is the day to go get your groceries. This is the day to cut your lawn. Not quite yet. Feels like it, doesn't it? This is the day to maybe go, you know, start raking up the, the leaves left over from... What happened to us honoring the Sabbath day? What happened to us honoring the Lord's Day? Do you remember back, how many of you remember back to when things shut down on the Lord's Day? You know what we as Christians do? Well, it's just not shut down, that's such the same. but I'll go anyway. And we treat this day just like the world. I'll fit church into it, I'll fit my relationship with God into this day, and I'll shoehorn it in, but man, I'm off to work. I got Sunday afternoon, I got to go take care of this project and that project, and we don't even Take time to rest with God. It's quiet in here. Serious. You know what? God would deal with them. They disregarded the Sabbath day. Do you realize that God brought them into 70 years of captivity for one reason? because for 490 years they had neglected the sabbath day do you think that god still doesn't bring people into physical breakdowns your body was not meant for phys- for perpetual motion guys women we were not meant to keep our minds going perpetually there has to come a time where we stop and say, you are God and you're bigger than my problems, you're bigger than my work, you're bigger than all this, and I submit it to you and I trust that you will enable me in six days to accomplish as much as you want me to and on the seventh day, my heart's towards you. It's all towards you. Friends, it's interesting to me, Moses was going to spend the rest of the book of, of Exodus dealing with this matter of Dealing with the matter of building the tabernacle. But he didn't start right away with building the tabernacle. And he goes into great detail. God gives a lot of detail about this building the tabernacle. But he doesn't start with building this this edifice, this tent for, for God to dwell among them. He deals with their celebration of the Sabbath day. Of taking time to be with God. Is there some need in your own life as a child of God, as a follower of God? to give God one day in seven. I'm not going to plan work on that day. I'm going to give that day to God. I'm going to rest in Him. I'm going to spend time physically resting, spiritually resting, praising His name and seeking purity. Now, if you all say amen, we can move on. We don't think about this whole lot, do we? We've just let the world... What is it? How many times have you tried to go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday? How many times? And then, <laughs> and then and then, it goes something like this. Oh, they're closed. Well, that's really good that they're closed. But if they open, boy, they would be swarmed by Christians, wouldn't they? I'm not saying never go out. I'm not, I'm not say, saying that. But what, what I am saying is how we have treated the Lord's day just like any other day. And so he deals with them about this matter of honoring the Sabbath principle. They are going to be brought into captivity later on for that. You know, I find it interesting, back in the 1930s, 1929, uh, the USSR uh, tried to do away with the, the seven-day week, and they went to a five-day week, and they gave people um, one day off. They assigned. There was actually calendars that were color-coded calendars that were put out. Does anyone know about this history? And so I hope I'm, I've gotten all this right. You can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, but they put calendars out basically, you know, moving the population into a five-day week. Well, they started having problems. There was frustrations. Uh, family members didn't have the same day off. Equipment was breaking down because it was running nonstop uh, 24-7. And so uh, you'd have maybe, a, a you know, a... You'd have different members of the family just at, at, you know, at different odd times off during that week. So they moved to a sixth day. That didn't work, so they moved to a sixth day. About 1940, they decided, you know, the seven day is best, and they went back to that. And it's very interesting how, how that happened. I still, even in, in researching a little bit of this, there's still folks that, that will ask the question, where did the seven day week come from? Well, it came from God. God was the one that established this. And he established there would be six days of work and then there would be a, a seventh day of rest. By the way, it's important for me. I do not count Sunday as a Sabbath day for me. It's really not. Because my mind is going like this throughout the day. So I, I need to take another day of the week just to, to Sabbath, to seek, uh, seek the Lord and to, and to, to spend, uh, spend time resting spiritually and physically, and, and so on. So you even find back in, in time when people have tried to do away with this, whole co- on countries, the USSR, trying to do away with the, the seven-day week and having that, that, seven, uh, that seventh day found it very, very frustrating. And I find that those that honor the Sabbath, that honor the principle of the Sabbath, God honors them. You remember Eric Lytle? How many of you remember him from, uh, it was back in, what was it, the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris? When he was there was to be a 100-meter race on the, the Lord's Day, on Sunday. And he says, I will not run on that day. I, I, will, I will bow out of that race, and I will lose that race. And the next race that he was to run was the 400-meter the race. And yet God gave him the ability to win gold in that race. And the thought that came to his mind was from, uh, from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor And by principle, he decided not to run in the Olympics on the Lord's Day and God honored him the next day when he was able to run in the 400 meter on meter race. And you know what's interesting about Eric Lytle? You can undo a Google search and still so much comes up about him, this man that lived so many years ago because for that one decision is reverberated down through the years to Christians. Honor the Lord's Day. Honor the Lord's Day. Friends, I call you to that. Honor the Lord's Day. The New Testament Put in practice the, the gathering and the assembling on the Lord's Day. Honor the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, one day and seven was essential to their relationship with God. And it's essential to your relationship with God. I do not build my family's life around anything else but the, about the assemblies of the local church, about, uh, around the, the worship of God with the saints of God. And I encourage you to do the same. This is core to your spiritual life. God has made it that way. It is here as we gather together, it is on this this Sabbath day, the Lord's day, that God reignites and refocuses us and recalibrates us. And friends, I just want us to understand there's enough time in the week to do what God wants you to do if we'll be submitted to him throughout the week. Friends, if you will give a day to the Lord, you'll find that God will take care of the rest. And I encourage you in that way because Moses encouraged them. Uh, Acts 20, 20 verse number 7, Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so there it is. There you have it. A long-winded preacher, Paul. Uh, He preached until midnight, but they gathered together. Why? Well, to, to fellowship together, break bread together, and to listen to the preaching of the word. 1 Corinthians 16, verse number two, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. There was just this principle throughout the New Testament of gathering together and, and honoring the principle of the Sabbath on the Lord's, the Lord's day. And so Moses challenged the people about this. He challenged them to honor the Lord in that way, honor him with the Sabbath day. They wouldn't always do that. And friends, we don't always do that either. And I do believe that God does, God does bring a barrenness into our lives as we try to run and try to run and try to run seven days a week without resting in him. And I encourage you, I exhort you uh, to seek the Lord in this matter. So it would calibrate us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. We need that again today. I don't know about you, this world's pretty crazy. This world's really crazy. And all that we've heard this week But we need that time where we get alone with God and we realize, yes again, He is powerful in all of the earth. But I want us to notice in verse number chapter 35 and verse 5, it wasn't just honor the Sabbath principle. But he moves on in verse number four and five. He moves on to, to encourage them to be a sacrificial participant, a participant in the things that God was doing, in the things that God was doing in the earth. And he says, Moses spake unto all the congregation, and he says, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, not Moses, but the Lord commanded, saying, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Just notice that right now, among you. Take this offering from among you. You're not going to be able to, to go far for it. Remember, they're out in the wilderness. and uh, This is a desert place. What they had was what they had. They didn't have Walmart or Home Depot to go to. It was in a desert place. So take this offering from among you. It is an offering unto the Lord. It's not on demand, but unto the Lord. And then with a willing heart. Hey, uh, he says, I don't. this isn't something I'm forcing upon you. Uh, God talks about the tithes, but he says, those I want you to give, the 10% I want you to give. But uh, this offering is a free will offering. He brings it up over and over, this matter of a willing offering. Now, Moses laid out, and we read it, Moses laid out all the need for the, for the temple. He lays it out, and they need badger skin and goat hair and all this fun stuff. Uh, all these different parts. They need some wood and, and so on. They need gold and silver and brass. And they need all this for, for, the, for the making of the tabernacle. And he says, let them bring it. Verse number five, an offering of the Lord Uh, gold, silver, and brass, and so on. So he presents this needs list, verse number 5 through verse number 19. He presents this list to the children of Israel. Now I just want us to think about this. Uh, This message is to help us to, to prepare and just to think through what God is doing in the life of our church. So as we said back on Vision Sunday, we said that the Lord wants us to win souls, make disciples, and prepare for the harvest. Would you say that out loud with me? Win souls, make disciples, and prepare for the harvest. All right, are you all like hot or tired or what? what's going on? All right, win souls. Let me hear it a little louder. Win souls, make disciples, prepare for the harvest. Okay, so those are the three things that, that we just believe God really wants us to be engaging in this, this year. Okay, that third part on your vision guide. God God wants us to be moving forward in this matter of just preparing and asking the Lord to help us to move forward as a church and the things that honor him. And so we said that we're going to prepare for the harvest. We're going to, by faith, take steps, and we're going to make ministry adjustments by faith, building adjustments by faith, just believing that God wants to save souls. Yes, in these days, God wants to save souls. He's not done saving souls, right? I'm glad you believe that this morning. So in, in order to do that, there's some steps that we need to take. We talked about the bus, and it already got cleaned this week, and it's going to get ready for getting sanded and, and prepped and get painted and get licensed and get uh, inspected and get that third bus ready and on the road for, uh, for picking up kids, especially for adventure camp. And as we think about all this, Moses lists out a needs list. He just says, "Here, here's what's needed. Here's what's needed. I, I thought, well, Lord... How does that work in in our context? I want to just read through some things as we listed out. Do you remember the the vision guide? Do you remember seeing that? And We said these things. These were listed on the third section of the vision guide. We want to increase our prayer focus. God has been doing that. I did not know how much God was going to be doing that. God is sure good, isn't he? He is answering the prayer, and he's working in our hearts, and I don't know about you, it just blesses my heart. I recruit and train uh, ministry workers to fill uh, openings, prepare the third bus, conduct a feasibility study that deals with the auditorium Im- improvements and ensure the maximum use in here, dealing with chairs and carpet and, and, and stage and so on, uh, to, to plan for access to the front entry so that people are, have some parking down there, and to plan for future expansion as the Lord would allow, and to begin raising funds for the roof replacement, to update and expand the camera system, to install new flooring in the West wing that's happening in this coming on uh, this coming week or not this week but the next and To install play area and update a uh, room 106 for the twos and three classroom, to update them the mission center. We laid out those things and we said, okay, we believe these are some of the areas that the Lord would have us to move forward in. All right, so what does a needs list look like? That uh, look like for all those things that I just mentioned. It means sandpaper, paint, uh, masking tape and paper, vinyl lettering, feasibility study, uh, future um, for future planning, 200 plus chairs, carpet, wood, stage flooring, uh, concrete, network cable, network switch, network access points, 24 cameras three bus cameras uh cove base uh, uh, cove base adhesive about 500 foot of cove base flooring adhesive food for workers 16 led lights on uh, drywall wood uh, wood world map uh tile gym flooring that is foam wood for uh, wood for the play area safety netting rope closet doors tv mount and and that's just scratching the surface but all i'm saying is as practical as moses got with the people bring goat hair I'm just saying that the needs for God's work in a place like this are just as practical. And you know what? One of the ways that we are going to affect that, we're going to be personally participating in that, sacrificially participating in that. Some have, well, I got this, and I can bring that along. Maybe it would be practical in that way, but many of us say, you know what? The Lord's blessed me with this, this financial blessing, and I'm going to participate in this offering. Now, they, they asked for it all. He says they, they, um, they brought a willing offering, verse number 20, and the con- all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. In verse 21, and they came back, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all of his service and for the holy garments. So they brought all this back. So it wasn't just money. It was just many different material items They brought all this together. Moses declared the need, and they brought it all together. Gave the, um, the people of God an opportunity to sacrificially participate. Don't we all want to be a part of something that's bigger than us? Yeah, I don't know about you. I want to be a part of seeing children come to the Lord Jesus Christ, get discipled, and, and, and grow up in, in church loving God and not being affected by all this, the, the, the junk that's going on in this world. Aren't you with me about that? And so even as we think, friends, a floor is not, is not going to, change someone's life and a building doesn't change a person's life but what happens inside of a building does i don't know how many of you enjoy going to like um, maybe a a dirty restaurant have you ever been to one you know the table sticky or something like that kind of smells there's one restaurant in particular i don't go to because i think it has a weird smell you know what it's amazing how many of those things affect us listen it affects us right inside this building this building is not the church we are the church but this is our meeting places, and this is where we ask God to meet in our hearts and meet in the children's hearts as they're learning the Bible this morning. And, you know, they have a TV screen down there where they're you know, presenting things to the kids, and they, they get to see it and, and to be visual, and they have printouts that were printed off a copier. All these things are a part of making God's work go forward. And so what did Moses do? He says, here's the need, here's the need, and then they go away. They depart, and it doesn't seem like too much time passes before they come back. It wasn't like, we need a year to get ready for this. No, they went back. What did they have in front of them? What did God had God already given them? And that is what they brought back. Listen, I want to just encourage you. What has God already given you that you can invest in his work, his presence being made manifest in the world today, specifically in the city of Kettering, but around the world, even as we think about how we impact our missionaries around the world. And so they came back and Everyone, it, it doesn't say that, that every last person within the children of Israel gave, but everyone whose heart stirred them up. Friends, God does not need grumpy money. So if right now in your heart you're like seized up, relax, take a deep breath. God, does not, God is not dependent on your money. It's you that gets the blessing. It's... I that gets the blessing, that we get to be a part of what God is doing. And so he says here in this passage of Scripture four times, he notes the word willing. Willing. That was pretty amazing. They were willing to do this. Friends, do you know where that willingness came from? I really believe this with all my heart. This willingness came from their Sabbath days. They're getting along with God. They're seeing God having so worked in their leader, Moses. They wanted that same. They wanted to have the presence of God dwelling in the, middle of their, uh, in the middle of their camp and desiring that relationship with him. And so they're willing. Yeah, we want to be a part of this. There was no coaxing on Moses' part. Yeah, we want to be a part of this. And there was a willingness four times And he's mentioning. God tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 7, that he doesn't want us to give out a necessity. Oh, I just have to. No, he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to give cheerfully, not grudgingly. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Praise the Lord. And so we give back to him in the same way that the children of Israel said, I I got some gold, I got some brass, I got some goat hair. I've been wondering what to do with this goat hair. I I got some goat hair that I'm going to bring. Praise the Lord. They were able to bring what they had. Now, I again just remind you, they didn't have ATMs. They didn't have banks out there in the middle of the wilderness. They didn't have Lowe's or Home Depot or anything of the sort. They had what they had, and they brought that to the Lord. Now, I just want to ask you, can you think of where they might have gotten some of this stuff? What? Okay, Egypt. Isn't God good? Isn't God good to provide for you and I, even from this world, to provide for you and I for his purposes and to make his name known in the world today? Isn't God good? And you know what? They had this, that some of it they didn't even have to work for. They just received that God had, mm, that God had provided for them. That's amazing to me. Friends, if our heart is truly towards the Lord, it really, God will provide this. God can. It's not about us, oh, where's it, where's it going to come from? If God sets a vision, I want to make my name known in, the, in this neighborhood and in, among these children in this city, and I, I want you to make my name known among, you know, in your, your efforts in adventure camp, and I, I, I want you to make my name known everywhere you go, he will provide all that we need for that. He will. We've got to believe him on that. They, did, they offered willingly, but I want you to notice they didn't just offer their, their, their money and their resources. There was a group of people that said, hey, I'll help. I'll help. You see that in verse number 30? Look at verse number 30 with me. Chapter 35 and verse number 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, see, the Lord hath called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he hath put forth his heart that he may teach. He hath put forth his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer, in blue and in purple and scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. Have you ever looked at a person and say, they have the ability to do everything? You ever looked at a person like that? That was these guys right here. And you know what these guys did? They stepped forward and they said, you know what? We're willing to teach anyone that's ready. In fact, this reminds me of a phone call that I had uh, a couple weeks back. Jim Apple, who's coming to lay down the floor. He's going to spend coming in on Thursday, he'll probably be with us about a, uh, about a week. And he's going to do some other things around, uh, around. But he says, you know what? If anyone wants to help me, I'll teach them how to do it. You know what he is? He's a, he's a BLZL, BLZL. There's a good name for you. He, he is one of these type of guys that God has gifted and says, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Well, I've never done it before. I'll, I'll teach you. And that's exactly what was going on here. So we have, we have not only the offering that they're sacrificially participating in, they're also saying, I have time. I have time, I can give to the work. I, I may not have much to, to give otherwise, but I can give time to the work. I'll, I'll, I'll give of myself, I will put in the sweat, I'll put in the work, and I will do this for the Lord and for the sake of his presence being known in the midst of our camp. I want that, and I want to be involved. That just floors me because everyone can have a part. Everyone can participate. Everyone can. And we want that. By the way, no job is too small. Sometimes we get in our minds, well, that's, that's, that's kind of a menial task. I want a task with a little bit of glory. No, if we're faithful in the little things, if we're faithful in the little things, that brings um, pleasure to God. He also will bless you with greater things. And so uh, there might even be uh, things on this list that we have this year that you can do or that you can say, I'll... I'll teach, pastor. I don't want you to have to worry about it. Give me the vision. Give me the idea that you have. But I, I don't want you to have to worry about it. I want to take it and I want to have another crew help get this thing accomplished for the glory of God. And so that we might continue to move forward in that, in that way. And that's what was going on. So we need, a, we need help. And I think even again about, about the floor going down. Boy, it's 2,500 uh, square feet of floor going down. We need help. We need some guys to say, hey, I'll help out. I'll make sure that that's done. It's getting stripped this week, right, Brother Frank? And the, the wax is getting stripped off, so the glue will stick. And, and Brother Frank needs help. And so we think, we all pull together. Why? For a floor? No. So that God may be made known in this place. So that the children who walk on that floor might hear the things of God and they might hear the truth of salvation. It's not about a floor and it's not about a building and it's not about money and offerings. It's about the presence of God. And I cannot say that enough. And I just, I just um, put this back out to you. It is not about your offering. We get to invest in that way, but it's not about, it is about the presence of God being made known. Oh, how we need that. I want to leave you with this. Super encouraging. Notice in chapter 36, 5 through 7. Would you turn there with me? As they honored the Sabbath principle, they heard Moses exhort them about sacrificially participating. You know what happened? I want you to notice how they experienced a sufficient provision. He says in verse number 5, chapter 36, And then they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. And the Moses, gave, uh, Moses gave commandment and caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, so the people were restrained from bringing. Now think about that. Now I, I passed over this, and I really want us to catch this. Did you notice that the men and the women were involved? If you go back and read the rest of chapter 35, you find that there were wise-hearted women. Some of them were able to sew, and, and so on. There was, they, they had different gifts. I just, I just see that the whole camp was involved. Everyone was able to be a sacrificial participant. in an offering and the working working together. It was an amazing thing. There was such a, t- a, a team spirit there. And as they came together, they're saying, hold up. I mean, we got, we got a lot of, of, of stock laid out. I mean, and, and BLZL was, was saying, hey, we cannot handle any more. We have it all inventoried. We have way more than enough here. Moses, please tell the people to stop bringing. I'm telling you, when God is so big to us, when God is so big to us, it, it changes the way that we're generous back towards him. And that's what's going on here. These people are like, we just want to give. We just want to be participating in this. And they were restrained. They were held back. There was a sufficient quantity of stuff that was brought in. And I want to say this, in the words of Hudson Taylor, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. We need to believe God for that. And friends, you need to believe that God has given you everything you you need in order to be a sacrificial participant. Whether it is resources or whether it is a talent whether it's a talent to be able to teach others or whether it's a talent just to simply hear and to learn and to be able to um, participate and to work together. God has given us everything that we need. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. This book of Exodus was given to us as an example. It's given to us as an example to see what God did through a people. Yes, you know, sometimes the children of Israel are pretty wayward. Sometimes they really got off and didn't please God at all. But here, this is a glorious victory in the, in, the, in the history of the nation of Israel as God worked through them to bring his presence into the middle of camp so that they might be a light to the Gentiles. It's just amazing what God was doing there. But I want us to realize that was their story. It's given to us for an example. Our story is still being written. Grace Baptist story, God established this church. Our story is still being written. It's not over and there are generations in the future that are going to read about Grace Baptist Church and I don't know about you, but I want them to read back and, and look at a congregation like this who was just willing to engage in the work of the Lord and engage in, 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 in making certain that God's presence is manifested in a city and that we are promoting the things of God more than ourselves and that we're honoring Him in the Sabbath day and that we're, we're, we're uh, taking time to worship Him and to, and to praise Him and to seek purity and to, to rest in Him. I want a generation to look back. I want the uh, the children that are being taught right now to look back and realize God was meeting with this generation. God used this generation not not just to provide floors and and, and buses and and that type of thing, but God met with this generation. God was working back there. And I don't know about you, I I liken myself to the Israelites sometimes. I get off off kilter and you you understand that. Get off kilter, but in this moment oh, what a victory they had. What a victory they had. Our story still being written, friends. It's not over. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's not over until he comes. We're not just holding on to the rapture. It's not what this is about. We have not adopted a fatalistic viewpoint. You know, we're kind of just in the end times. God isn't building church anymore. He isn't saving souls anymore. He's just kind of done. No, no. We're not going to adopt that mentality. We're going to continue to surge forward for the glory of God, taking the vision that he's given to us and saying, by God's grace, uh, Lord, how are you going to provide this? Oh, you gave me that. You gave me that. Let's do it together. Are you with me on that? Praise the Lord. Ephesians 3 and verse number 21. Turn there to the last verse this morning. Ephesians 3 and verse number uh, uh, 21. Let's do this. Let's stand to our feet right now as you're turning there. I've realized something. It's hot in here. I'm thinking, man, alive, and uh, you, you know it's a wonderful time of year when uh, boilers are switching over and all that type of stuff. So uh, we'll have that solved by tonight, okay? So it'll be a cooler auditorium by the night, but that's a first-world problem, okay? I uh, preached in India back in 20 uh, early 2020, and you talk about hot blue blazes. Uh, It was hot, but uh, we thank the Lord for our building. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 21. I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Are you there? Say amen if you're there. All right, if you're still awake, say amen. amen. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 3 and verse 21, ready, begin. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. You know, God is still wanting his glory to be made known, his presence to be made known in this world. And how is he doing it? Through your life and through your life, through your life and you know what this is just a gathering place but i'll tell you what there's times when people come in here because there's a time there's a time 10 there's a time where they can gather together with people they believe to know god or to know something about god and they have a question in their heart and they're gathering together in this place and they hear they hear the singing they hear us gathering together around the word and they say i I I want that, and this is a place where God's people meet together corporately. God has gifted us with this. It's not about the building. It's what's happening inside of the building. And I don't know about you. I want to honor God in giving him this day of worship, but I want to honor him by being a sacrificial participant, and I can't wait to see how he provides. You with me on that? And so here's what I'm going to do as we just take time to pray before we leave. I want to encourage you in this way. Would you pray a prayer like this? And you might, in a moment, i give you an opportunity to, to kneel either here or just sit at your seat. But you might pray something like this. Lord, I want you to provide through me like you did the Israelites so that your presence might be made known to men and women, to boys and girls in our community in this place. In this place. Yes, and through my life, but in this place. Lord, I want you to provide. As I, as I worship you today, As I recalibrate towards you today, I want you to provide through me. I want the story of the Israelites to be my story too. Would you bow with me in prayer this morning? Father, thank you for these good people that you've gathered in this place today. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them, that you'd encourage them, that you'd meet the needs that are on their minds today, some spiritual, some emotional, some financial. Lord, just burdens that they might be carrying. Lord, you gave us the Old Testament stories as an example. I pray that you would help us to follow the example. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I encourage you, if you want to pray a prayer like that, Lord, I'd like you to provide through me. I'd like for you to provide through me. I'd encourage you to either sit down there at your seat and pray, or even right here at the altar, whatever you prefer. Lord, I'd like for you to provide through me. I want that story, that same story. I want that same story. I want to be a part of the miracle. I want to be a part of it. Is anyone here that says, I do not know for certain that I'm saved. I do not know for certain that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. Is there anyone like that today that would be willing with no one looking around to say, I don't know for certain if I died today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Is that you today? Would you just put up your hand, put it back down? I'd certainly love to pray for you. I'll not point you out. I promise that. Anyone like that today?